Well, good evening, Epiphany. Obviously, this is not the way I hoped to be worshiping with you this Sunday evening. As I shared in my, uh, in my email to the congregation the other day, it pains me to think about not gathering for public worship. But we all know what's going on right now. We all know of, um, of the, you know, just the uncertainty that is coming uh, all around us. And so I figured for this Sunday, and hopefully for just this Sunday, uh, we would hear the Word of God uh, via live stream. We do live stream every Sunday, but always, always we gather together. Uh, and this is the first time that we haven't, haven't done that on a Sunday evening. Uh, I will say I purposely started this service tonight a little later than normal because, you know, I wanted you to feel like, uh, you know, it was the same as normal. That, uh, you know, we always start a little late and there is no exception tonight. So let's begin by hearing from the Word of God out of the psalmist in Psalm 91 verses 1 through 6. Comforting words here, they say, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his, with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday, because your God has you covered. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity tonight to still hear from your word, even though it is not the circumstances that we necessarily want. I pray that you would bring your word by the power of your Holy Spirit through my very imperfect and feeble lips to those that you've gathered around here tonight and in the days to come as they watch later. May you bring comfort and peace. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. So this week I, I did have a sermon already written out, ready to go before Friday, before I made the decision to cancel our public gathering. But I just didn't feel that the message I had prepared was appropriate for this time. And so instead of going through John 4, which is what I intended to do, I want to go through probably what will be to many of you a very familiar passage tonight, found out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. It reads like this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So let's get right to it, shall we? Obviously, we are living in a moment of great uncertainty here and really all over the place. The coronavirus is spreading fast all over the city, all over the state, and now surely all over the world. And in response to this virus, there I, I think I've sended, I tended to see really two responses, two reactions. Uh, the first one, which I will admit I'm sort of uh, naturally prone to myself, is to simply dismiss or, or downplay the dangers of this potential sickness as sort of being a media-driven hysteria. So you can go on social media right now and find, you know, plenty of skeptics declaring that this whole thing is one big overreaction to nothing. It's not that big a deal. We shouldn't get too worried about it. But the fact is, there, there is something. People are getting sick and some are dying. Schools are closing. My kids' schools are closed for the next two weeks. The stock market has just been in complete disarray and many days this last week it was plummeting. Industries are losing billions of dollars. And these facts have led to the second reaction that we've seen so much of, which is to worry, to fret, to ask the big what-if questions. What if, I, what if I get sick? What if my kids get sick? What if I lose my job? What if I'm quarantined? What if I can't take that trip that I've been so looking forward to going on? I had much experience with that myself this last week as a number of trips I was looking forward to going on were canceled due to this virus. All of life can become this sort of frenzied panic over the what-if questions, and we worry, and we worry, and we worry. And so what I want to talk about tonight in our time together from Scripture is really the root of the worrying, the root of our worrying in general. I want to talk about the effect that this worrying can have on us. And then thirdly, I want to talk about the cure for our worries. So first of all, let's begin with the root of our worrying. Chances are we like to think it's because we're just really responsible, that it's because we're really strategic and like to plan ahead really well. Or perhaps we think that we worry because we're just so caring for others that we can't help but worry so much. And indeed, I mean, these can, we should acknowledge up front, these can at least be a part of the reason we're prone to worrying. But at its root, when we over-worry, when we are flooded with anxiety and even panic, I want to say that it comes from something much deeper within us. If you look at verse 30 of our text, Jesus alludes to it there. He says that the worrying comes from, quote, little faith. Little faith. 
Now, we probably have all sorts of ideas about what faith is, but especially in this context here, it's important to understand that all faith really is is, is dependence or, or trust. The picture you need to have in your, in your head when you hear this word faith is maybe the picture of a, of a baby being rested in his, his parents' arms. That is to say that it means to be just utterly dependent upon God for our life and for all that goes on. Unfortunately, the thing about human beings like you and me, and I'll just throw myself under the bus here, the thing about a human being like me, about a fellow like me, is that I want to be in control of my life and my own security. Thank you very much. So we plan and we plot and we buy insurance of every kind to have just some sense that no matter what happens, that we're going to be okay. And, and frankly, most of the time, we, we can kind of live with the sense that our lives are okay. Most days, we can wake up by an alarm at the right time, and we can commute into work on time, and we can be assured that our, our jobs will be waiting for us when we arrive. But then, every once in a while, we're reminded in a really significant way that the control that we think we have is actually just an illusion. The spread of a virus shows us once again the truth. So we see the videos on the news of people passing out in public and we're suddenly reminded that we're not in control. Or we watch something like that tornado that just swept through Nashville a little while ago out of the blue and we're reminded that, that although man plots his way, the Lord directs his steps, as the Proverbs say. And because our faith is small, we're not so sure all the time that the Lord knows how to direct our steps very well. And that lack of faith, that lack of dependence upon God is what then causes the worries to flood in with a vengeance. And when they come unchecked, well, they're not harmless, folks. They leave a mark. The effect of our worrying is, is stress and, and panic and actually deteriorating health. Or the way Jesus describes it in our text, I love this, it's so accurate, is toil and spinning. Toil and, and spinning all around. I love those words because I think they so perfectly capture what happens when our minds become dominated by worry. The word for toil in Greek is literally, uh, it means to exhaust oneself doing wearisome work. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like, it looks like spinning. The idea being conveyed is that you're, you're so busy, but you're not actually being productive. That's exactly what happens when we get caught in the trap of worrying and anxiety, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I've been here before. I've been sort of paralyzed by worry, just walking around aimlessly moving. We, we can just be sitting there, as a matter of fact, and feel like we're exhausted just from what's going on in our head. 
In an article for the New York Times, Pico Iyer puts it this way, it's only when we're living in the future, the realm of what if, that we brilliantly incapacitate ourselves. And it's mostly when someone abruptly cries, watch out, that we lose control of the car we're driving. End quote. And research tells us that even well before this pandemic, we were already living in a time of incredible anxiety and stress here in the West, more worried than ever. Dr. Richard Leahy, a prominent psychologist and anxiety specialist, has said, quote, the average high school kid today, this is a crazy statistic, the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s, end quote. But this anxiety, it doesn't come out of nowhere. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's in the air we breathe, especially, especially if you're living and working in a place like New York City, which is what some have referred to as a performancist culture. What does that mean? What is performancism? Well, it simply means that we have learned, we have imbibed the idea that our worth in life is based on how we perform. So we strive to get to the top schools and we strive to work at the top firms and we, we toil and spin to make more money. And if we don't, well, then that just might mean that we're not very valuable. And this leads to anxiety and depression. This performancist mindset kicks us around and it doesn't stop kicking. And I mean, it'll kill us. So what's the cure for all of our natural tendency to worry? Going back to the New York Times article I just referenced for you earlier, the author insightfully says, we worry only about exactly those things we can never do anything about. And then that very fact becomes something else we worry about. And the cycle goes on and on until we let the mind give over to something larger, wiser than itself. What is that something larger, wiser than ourselves? Jesus spells it out for us. Listen again to our passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And here's the key. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus does not say, hey, don't worry, don't stress, man, no worries, no problem. No, 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 there's a reason, there's an anchor there. Jesus is saying here, he's saying to you and I, when worries plague us, remember who your God is. He is not simply the sort of high and mighty sovereign Lord of the universe, but he in fact is the one who cares so intimately about his creation, so intimately about you that he's the one who feeds the birds of the air and clothes the grass of the field. He is not merely your God, 
but he chooses to be called your father, i.e. your provider, your protector. Secondly, Jesus goes on to say, remember who you are. Are you not of more value than the birds, Jesus says. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after all those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. There's a couple things that become strikingly clear that we need to remember about ourselves when the worries come, and they inevitably will. We're human. We fall short. The first thing, Jesus says, remember, your worrying won't add anything to your life because you're not God. In fact, it will only take away from your life. And secondly, remember how valuable you are to God. How valuable are you? Valuable enough that the Lord of heaven and earth comes in the person of Jesus Christ, suffers, bleeds, and dies for the forgiveness of your sins so that the Father would have the right to have you as his child. If you are that valuable to the Lord of heaven and earth, Christian, then in the long run, you do not need to give in to that insecurity and worry. That is the illusion. The more you know how valuable you are to him, the more you meditate on that fact, then maybe, just maybe, you can feel secure no matter what comes your way. And the more secure you are when those worries over viruses and jobs and the world's future come at you, well, maybe, just maybe, you can have poise and confidence because you know ultimately it doesn't fall on you to run the world. And in light of that fact, Jesus instructs us to pray. Remember to pray, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Don't we know that? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The way Martin Luther put it was, pray and let God worry. The Apostle Paul says to the Philippian church, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me go ahead and close now that I've given you the cure. I want to illustrate what it looks like for you. I was very privileged growing up to have a 
great dad. Still is. He played catch with me all the time, listened to me, made it really abundantly clear that he loved me. I mean, even awkwardly so. He would tell me he loved me all the time. And, you know, when you're a little kid, and even as a teenager, you're like, eh, what do I do? You know, you kind of mumble it. One of the ways my, my father showed his love for me was when uh, I would have a hard time getting to sleep at night because of worry, especially when I was a little guy. And I can remember many times as a child, my father coming into the bed and laying down next to me, scratching my back, and then beginning to remind me of some things. He'd say, Eric, you know your dad will never let anything happen to you, right? You know I'll protect you. He'd pray with me. He'd stay near me. What happened to me as a result of my father's word and my father's presence? Well, whatever what-ifs were filling my mind, whatever worries were dominating, began to fade away until I felt secure enough that I could just rest. So too, Christian, when worry plagues you, when you're overwhelmed by what the news is showing you, when you're tempted to give in to the hysteria and the panic, remember the presence of your father. Remember his word to you. You're more valuable than all of these things in creation that he takes care of. You are more valuable than all of that. So rest well. You're in good hands. In his hands, everything's going to be okay. Father, I thank you for the reassuring words of this text tonight. I thank you that ultimately, even if our bodies fail here, that because we believe in the God of resurrection, we can say triumphantly, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. One day, the rights are going to be put back in place. The wrongs are going to be corrected. One day, our bodies will no longer be prone to viruses and sickness, and our eyes will no longer shed tears. And so, Father, help us live with hope as we look forward to that day and trust in you to be the one who provides and delivers us. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, before I dismiss you with a benediction epiphany, a couple of announcements for you. We sure would appreciate anything you can give to help support our church plan. We're still, we're still so young, and we're still so young in our own history, and we need all the help we can get. So if you're able to, Hop on over to epiphanychurch.us, that's epiphanychurch.us, and click on the giving link and give what you can. We so, so appreciate everything that we get, and every little bit of help really does do just that. It helps us minister to the city God's called us to. Secondly, uh, Johannes, who is one of the leaders of the community group that meets at the apartment on Monday evenings, is planning on hosting continuing meetings 
because it's a small enough group, there's, uh, we, there's not too much worry about small groups gathering and we want to encourage that. And so there will be dinner still, there will be meetings still, there'll be a, 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 an intense focus on prayer and making sure that uh, people's needs are being met as they come to pass. So I want to encourage you, if you're looking for a little community, maybe you've been cooped up and you're just tired of being alone, join them uh, on Monday evenings at 7 p.m. and look for other possible announcements of other get-togethers over the next few weeks. That's all I have for announcements this week. I hope to see you soon, Epiphany. I missed being with you tonight as we end our service. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.